Hello, everyone. I'm Sean Devaney with Heavy Sports. I am here to talk about the Celtics. This is the Celtics Collective. I've got Steve Bulpet with me. Steve, how are you? Cold. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a nice day out there. No, it's um, yeah, we're heading toward below zero, and then um, you know, well, you got you know where I live on the yeah, you know, basically on the on the point of an island. Yes. Um, and uh, the wind chill winds are up in the twenties now. It's going to go higher, and uh, then we're going to get below zero temperatures. And but then by Sunday it'll be back into the forties. So it's yeah, like, you're going to get like a like frost whiplash. Yeah, anyway. well, you're right, right. I've I've been saying about this winter. You really can't complain too much. We haven't had a lot of snow. We haven't had a lot of uh, a lot of these freezing cold days. So we got two of them. We'll survive. Yeah, we'll find a way. I mean, I you know I went out and worked out this morning, which probably wasn't the brightest move. It was like, yeah, yeah, really. I mean, I probably shouldn't say this because I'm afraid that uh, Heavy.com might um, rethink its commitment to me if I chose to get up out of a warm bed <laughs> like, this morning and go. Yeah, you're not uh, you're not right in the head. Go to the gym instead of you know. Well, yeah, yeah. it's just you know you make life choices and some of them aren't as good as others. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's get into it. So we're going to talk about uh, uh, the game the other night, uh, the blowout over the Nets. I want to talk a little bit about Marcus Smart. Uh, Joe Mazzula going to the All-Star game. We're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk a lot of trade deadline. Uh, obviously, that's the big news around the NBA at this point. Uh, and we're going to look at uh, uh, some some breakfast cereal, of course. Ooh. Yeah. All right, let's. So, uh, other night, obviously, a forty-three point win over the Nets. Uh, no Kevin Durant. You know, I mean, they're 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 not themselves, no question. Um, but uh, but but was there anything you kind of gleaned out of that game? Anything you took away from that game? Ten in a row now over the Nets. Well, um, what was different about this one was it wasn't really a contest. A lot of the other ones have been really close. Um, yeah. Yeah, the Celtics, they hit them first and hit a bunch of shots early, and the Nets just didn't have enough to fight back. They didn't have enough people, you know, to, to fight back. Um, and, um, you know, uh, if you're looking for, a you know, a positive from the Celtics standpoint, because hitting shots can come and go. We know that, right? Yeah. Um, it's just it, like what they're trying to do is build habits and – you know, the ball kept moving and, you know, the lead was, it was out of control early the game, yeah. but they pretty much stuck to what they were supposed to do. They didn't, um, they didn't, you know, uh, take so much of the easy way out like they've done in the past and let the opponent come back. Yeah. It was, it was 23 to four out of the gate and, you know, you get those kinds of starts and usually the other team can kind of chip it and at least get it to, you know, you say, oh, let's get it to 14 by, by the end of the first. All right, let's get it to 10 by the halftime. Uh, but, the, but, it, but it went from 23 to 4 to, to 46 to 16 at the end of the first, and, uh, and that was pretty much over. They did score 139 points. Now, the offense has been not great uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, even before Marcus Smart went out, but especially since he's gone out. Um, you know, is there – you mentioned that that just the shot making maybe can kind of get that offense going a little bit, uh, but but you know is there is that something you think they can carry forward or is that kind of a one off just because of that game? Well, the the shot making thing you never know, but 
I thought they played with good pace. I mean, it, it's weird. I was talking to some analytics people the other day, and on one hand, the Celtics' pace doesn't look great when you look, look at the stats for it, but they're playing faster. You know, there's so many other things that impact upon pace, you know, the, the length of time and a possession and things like, you know. Um, but um, I think they're, they played a quicker game. Uh, they got into it, into their offense faster. They pushed the ball to the front court faster. So I think that, you know, when you're playing that way, um, the ball finds energy, all those things come into, uh, into view. So I think, again, if you try to look for signs on this team, it's are they building the right habits? And when something, but more importantly, when something goes bad, what do they do then? Um, and there wasn't much of a, of a chance or time for things to go bad the other night. Yeah, and uh, you, you made a good point about pace. I think sometimes you just look at the raw number without really putting it into context where, uh, all right, if you take a shot with 12 seconds left on the shot clock, it's going to count the same in terms of your pace. But, you know, did you push the pace and, and scramble the defense and, and get yourself a good shot? Or did did one guy dribble it and, and you know, dribble yeah. into a, a crowd and put up a bad shot? It's going gonna, it's gonna to look the same in terms of pace, but one is obviously much different than the other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, is is there movement, you know, in your offense? Are there are guys cutting? Are, are you making the defense uh, move? Are you putting the defense on skates? Um, that's the stuff that you that I look for when I'm watching Celtics anyway. Yeah, and that's and that that it's like I said, it's not statistically, uh, you know, it doesn't fall under the realm of pace, but it's it's just a matter of playing faster. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of, uh, of 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 the way you're moving. Uh, you know, they also only had ten turnovers. That had been a problem in the last uh, few games, especially without uh, Marcus Smart. Um, you know, who's become, you know, the, a, a ball protecting uh, a genius in the in this past year. Uh, but, you know, that, that that I thought was big, too, that, you know, they've been averaging over 15 turnovers the last six games. Uh, but to, to just have 10 or 10 turnovers, um, you know, that that's obviously a big help as well. Yeah. I mean, but that's I think the lack of turnovers comes from making short, simple passes. Mm-hmm. And again, movement which gets the defense out of position so you're not playing against a defense that's loaded up you know when you see a guy try to drive to the basket we've talked about it a billion times sean one-on-one becomes one-on-two one-on-three and then a bad decision um you know the avoiding that stuff you know playing in more open spaces yeah yeah all right so uh let's move on uh again this is the celtics collective podcast i'm sean devaney with heavy sports uh, this is Steve Bolt-Pet, our NBA insider. Uh, Marcus Smart remains out. Uh, no timetable for his uh, uh, for his return on that right ankle injury. Uh, it was the same ankle that he injured in the preseason. Um, you know, do you have a sense on the on the seriousness of this, or 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 do you think it's just? I mean, he had mentioned that maybe he could play through it if it was the playoffs. I think everybody says that. Uh, but uh, you know, Mark, you know, Marcus is legitimately crazy. He would play. That's it. true. That's I true. mean, you yeah. know, you, you got to understand like what's what's TV crazy, you know, Hollywood crazy, or or legit <laughs> nuts. And um, Marcus is uh, on, on the latter. Yeah, he tried. But uh, look, in this thing here. I think it's kind of serious in that 
they realize they need to deal with it and give him as much time as possible. You know, um, taking time now, you know, even when we're, we've talked about things with timeouts, getting those lessons in your in their head. Um, it might cost you a couple of games now, but it's going to be better for you in the long run. And similarly, you know, having Marcus out now, it might cost you a game here or there. Um, but if it makes him stronger and better for the stretch run in the playoffs, you know, that's, that's what you want. I mean, in the worst case scenario, if the Celtics were to lose home court advantage in any situation, and now they have the best record in the league and that's not an issue, but if they were to somehow uh, or someone behind them, you know, goes on a 25 game winning streak, um, the worst that happens to you is you have to win one game on the other team's home court to get home court advantage back. So, you know, um, it's better to be healthy and playing the way you want to with the right habits in the postseason, and, um, and making sure that your guys are ready. And, and Marcus is very important to them, especially in a playoff situation where it becomes more of a half-court game and defenses become uh, more critical. Yeah, and, and, you know, ankles are tricky um, in, in, in general just because – uh, you know, there's so much pressure put on. There's so many different uh, ways guys are using them over a course of a game uh, that, that, you know, really the only way to make sure it's 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 getting right is to rest. And there's, there's really so, yeah, I mean, it, it probably is something he could play through. But, uh, you know, it's it's really the only thing that if you if you rush back an ankle injury, then it's going to stick with you. Uh, you know, throughout the rest of the year, it, it might not be, uh, you know, something that requires surgery, but it's going to be something that's going to stick with you and and, and affect you. Uh, and they certainly don't want that. And they've got other players on the roster that need minutes that need time. And, you know, um, they look, they're, they're pretty well bunched up at, at point. So, yeah. you know, let guys play. Um, this is what you have. This is what you got depth for, for these situations. Use it. Yeah, and I've been impressed, you know, that that there hasn't been uh, any wavering off of what Malcolm Brogdon is for this team. He is the sixth man. And, you know, even with Marcus Smart out, uh, you know, they have kept that, you know, he has not started again, you know, his 44 games uh, with zero starts. And and they, they really seem to be uh, really making sure he just stays in that role and they're not going to ask him to do anything else. If Derek White gets hurt, if Marcus Smart gets hurt, doesn't matter. Malcolm Brogdon is a sixth man. Um, you know, do, do you like that approach, or or do you think maybe they should tinker with him in the as a starter? No, I mean he he's sometimes in at the end of games, so he's you know with right. the old red R back thing. It's not who starts the game; it's who it's who finishes. But um, I do like the setup now because look, Malcolm Brogdon can score in a number of different ways. He's just really good at getting to the basket. You know, like you we need two points here. You, you're down. You've been. You've given up a, a run. The other team is kind of surging on you. Um, Brogdon is very good at uh, at finding a straight line, getting to the basket. You know, either scoring or getting to the free throw line. The kind of thing that that makes the other team have to stop and you know and let's, allows you to to set your defense. And having a guy like him, who's a a legit scorer, you know, yeah. off the bench that kind of lengthens out your rotation. It keeps, uh, you know, that was a, the Celtics do numerically. It's clear that, that uh, the 
on and off court numbers with Jason Tatum are stark. But uh, a guy like Malcolm Brogdon kind of can smooth that over and, and make sure that you get into your offense when you go to your bench and that he can provide some of that offense as well. Yeah, and you know, on the on the flip side, a guy who I they expect to have on the bench is Derek White, uh, and 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 he started. Uh, I think he's only not started like four or five games. You know, he's just because of you know with Robert Williams and then uh, and now Marcus Smart. I mean, he he basically hasn't come off the bench yet, and eventually he will. He's been really good the last uh, uh, these last six games, especially with Marcus out. Uh, you know, averaging fourteen points and shooting the ball pretty well. Yeah, and he, what he does, he can fit in any situation because you know he's going to give you defense, right? And he's not a guy that, like, he doesn't need the ball in his hands. Um, so those kind of guys are, you know, easy to play with and easy to fit into different situations. Yeah, and and, and like I said, he's been playing well. You know, he's done well as a starter. Uh, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm still comfortable with him. You know, I think he's done both of them enough to where it's not like he goes to the bench and, and his game falls apart. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, look, we've talked about it before, Sean. I, you know, his shooting is better this year. People are like, are you surprised? No, I'm, I was surprised he didn't make more shots last year. Yeah. Right. He's a guy that he's – look, it, it takes huge ego to get to the NBA, right? but he's a guy that plays with as little ego as I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was nice to see Robert Williams have uh, the kind of game that, that he did. He looked as much like himself uh, on, uh, uh, on Wednesday as he has since he's been back at scene. Yeah. But he's, you know, I didn't think he, I didn't think he was looked very much out of sorts since he got back. I mean, maybe early the very first couple of games, just because of his his minutes were so staggered and 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 short, um, you know, or a few. I mean, a minute is sixty seconds, no matter what. It's not such thing as a short minute, Steve. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, he's look. He he does. He's one of those guys that, that fills in your gaps as well, and he is a great bailout person. When a guy gets to driving and runs into trouble. They know that, you know, they can put the bat signal up there and throw the ball under the air, and uh, Robert Williams will most likely find it and, and return it to its uh, desired place. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on because I want to talk about uh, about the head coach of this team, Joe Missoula. Uh, you know, it is uh, remarkable to think that about six months ago, uh, very few people really knew who Joe Missoula was, uh, and he's going to go from that to coaching – coaching one of the all-star teams uh, over all-star weekend, uh, you know, with the Celtics clinching the best record in the East before that uh, he is, uh, he, he has been uh, selected. Uh, I wouldn't say selected, I guess uh, he's earned the right to go and, and, and coach that team. Uh, his response to it was basically, meh, no big deal. I was out to dinner with my wife and, uh, and I just went back to having my dinner. Um, yeah. Are you buying that? <laughs> You know, isn't this something that is kind of a, a cool thing, an important thing? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, But you know, what I'd fear is that uh, Joe's going to spend, like, the previous night uh, sitting in his hotel room trying to draw up X and O plans. And, you know, yeah. for a roster, he doesn't even know, he's not even going to know his roster until just before the game. Um, you know, uh, 
Utah in February. I mean, I, I don't think Joe's a skier. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, look, it's, it's, a, it's an honor. And, um, uh, you know, everybody likes to see their work featured. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, man, it is uh, it, the, considering this guy's journey. And I believe, is he still 34? Or did he turn 35? What, what, I, think, I, actually, I think he went back to 32. He went back to 32. Is that how that worked? Uh, I, I mean, for him at this stage of his career to have made the mark that he's made, uh, you know, I just, man, I, I, I don't remember seeing something quite like this, uh, you know, well, this, this, this quickly like this. Well, you've seen other guys be thrust into positions. But you never you don't think about them because they weren't ready for them and they were gone. Yeah. You know? um, there's been a lot of guys that, were, that have been thrown into interim spots during the year. I mean, I, I think it'd be interesting to see a list of all-time interim coaches. Yeah. And I'm sure there'd be some really strange names on it. Yeah, that's true. The difference here is that um, Joe Mazzula is – he's been working not for to be the head coach, but he's put so much work into uh, – you know, into his job and, and, you know, and trying to contribute to the staff that he was ready for this. You know, he, you need to get used to the rhythm of the game from that position, from standing on the sideline instead of sitting in the row behind the head, be the head coach and, and higher assistants. But, um, you know, if he had been like a lot of other guys, that were into this spot, you know, you might have already seen the Celtics bring in a more experienced coach, yeah. uh, you know, hire someone off the street uh, to, to come in and guide them through this spot. But <clears throat> he was ready for it. And, and again, as we've talked about in the past and written about early in the year, there were people that told me that he was going to be better at this job than the previous guy. Um you know, remains to be seen, I guess, because, but from all we've seen so far, it's hard to make an argument that uh, he's any worse. Yeah, absolutely. Right. The only guy who comes to mind as an interim was Luke Walton when he took over for Steve, when remember Steve Kerr had the, sure. the back issue and that was when they started 24 and Oh, was, was, was Luke Walton. Um, and, you know, obviously he didn't work out quite as well as a, as a head coach once he got a job there, but uh well, he, he did really well at uh, with Golden State. They won like, didn't they win twenty something yeah. games or whatever? Well, yeah, he was he was there when they started twenty four. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, uh, that when but I mean, there's been a lot of guys over the years that have just, you know, I mean, wasn't Dave Collins? Brief, well, he was briefly a, 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 an interim coach, and yeah, there's been a bunch of guys. You know, I mean, well, Dave ended up. Yeah. Being, you know, uh, Frank when when Indiana fired uh, Jim O'Brien. Yeah, and brought in Frank Vogel. Vogel really kind of got them turned around. That was so, yeah. Dave's yeah. a bad example. I'm I'm thinking more of guys that that you forget you've forgotten about their names. Yeah, um, yeah. We should find we should we should try to find that. And make a list of guys that have done that. And, you know, <laughs> past past. Can we put our um? We've look. We've got. We should let people know. We've got a huge uh, research department at Heavy.com. <laughs> um, heavy Sports. Uh, so uh, we should have them. You know. Yeah. Go into the right. We'll get our our crack team on that. <laughs> Actually, is it crack team or team on crack? <laughs> a little Which, of both for us. A little of both. <laughs> uh, 
Well, Steve, it is February, and you know that in the NBA, that means one thing and one thing only is that nobody really cares what happens in the game. Everybody cares about what else is happening, <laughs> what is happening away from the game, who's on the phone to whom, uh, and uh, and it is trade deadline season, no question. Uh, so I want to tell you, you had a report yesterday uh, about the Celtics inquiring at least about uh, uh, Kelly Olenek and, and possibly bringing him back. Um, you know, what's uh, what's sort of the status on that? What, what was it that you reported? Well, the last thing I've heard is that they're still trying to find out what it would take to get Kelly Olenek. Uh, I'm not sure that that there's that they have what the the Jazz would want, um, but maybe I don't know. Um, I think they're like I said, they're still trying to find out. Uh, <clears throat> he's a guy like you know that that can fit. You know that was the big thing that I kept, that I kept hearing from other people is that. Uh, uh, he's a guy that can fit on their offense. He can he can play with uh, Rob Williams. He can play with Al Horford, um, and you know a, a very tall person who's a, who can shoot outside. Um, you know it kind of meets their need, um, or you know kind of gives them the, uh, the insurance there. What I thought was more interesting is that, um, and it makes sense too. What I kept hearing was that, yeah, they want a big, not so much a wing. Yeah. And if they look at the minutes that uh, that Tatum and Brown are playing, and you know, you got to get help on the wing. Well, the help is there; they just got to play it. Um, and you know, if they bring in uh, a new guy on the wing, is that guy going to get enough minutes to be effective? That'd be the question. Yeah, and that's one thing that I've heard about the, the 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 market in general is that it's there for if you want a point guard or you want a center, uh, you can you can find one on the trade, but you're not going to find there's just not a lot of wings out there, uh, you know that are that that are being offered up. So uh, that's that's definitely one of the challenges. So you know I I, I think there's some necessity uh, to <laughs> to uh, you know hey look we can we can get a decent big guy we can't get a decent wing who's going to play for us let's focus on getting a big guy. Yeah, I mean, but like, who are you going to sit? I mean, you've got you know, um, you've got a bunch of wings there, like Tatum Brown, uh, with with Marcus Smart, Derek White, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, those are, those guys are playing wing at some point, right? Um, who am I leaving out? I'm leaving out somebody too. Uh, well, I mean, Grant Williams you know, spaces the floor for them as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got, you've got plenty of guys there that, uh, you know, that you want to make sure that they get their minutes. So, you know, it's hard to see them bringing somebody in. I mean, I go back to, uh, arguing in previous years that, uh, the Celtics should have brought in Jamal Crawford. And I still think they were wrong not to, but their yeah. argument back was, <clears throat> is he going to get enough playing time to be Jamal Crawford? Yeah. And it's like, right. Yeah, he better he should find it for him because he's right. that good. But that's the issue that they would come back to. And what's it going to cost you? Um, and is it worth the, the cost? Yeah, they can see Olenek as someone that's not going to break the bank for them and that that he could be a guy that uh, <clears throat> that would fit and could give you minutes if you had to sit Rob Williams during a during a postseason game. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's ultimately kind of what they what they have in mind is they want – Sort of another Al Horford, you know, another another guy who can be a power forward slash center, uh, who can hit some outside shots and space the floor, 
and and when you when when you don't have Rob Williams available, you can you can play him at the five. I, you know, I think that that's and and, and of course Olenek, uh, uh you know, fits the bill there. Yeah, Plus they, I mean, they're a little familiar with him as well. So it was sure, that. I mean, it was, I think it's interesting uh, that two teams that had him want him back. I mean, the only reason he was gone from the Celtics is in 2017, they needed his cap space to sign Gordon Hayward. Right. Or else they were perfectly happy with him. Uh, yeah, Miami dealt him as you know, part of the Victor Oladipo deal. They thought they needed that. You know, uh, they looked at Oladipo as being a dynamic guy they needed to bring in. But with injuries, that's never worked out. So two teams that had the guy want him back. Um that's probably the nicest thing anyone's ever said about Kelly Olynyk. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's a kind of a smart remark, but it does speak well for the guy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, I, I, uh, I agree. Uh, and I would actually, just looking at the roster and, and what they have available, probably Miami's in a better position to make that happen. Uh, you know, I think that they still kind of think that they'll get Jay Crowder eventually. That 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 he'll cost them less. Um, but you know, there have been some other teams that have moved in on that. Uh, you know, Milwaukee being one. Um, so you know, maybe maybe Olenek winds up being a a possibility there. But uh, uh, yeah, it does seem like Miami is uh, uh, you know longing for some of those old power forwards that they used to have. Okay, so I was just checking to see. You mentioned Milwaukee and uh, Jay Crowder. Uh, that's in the story that we've got coming out. Um, that's all. Uh, so, okay. So uh, <clears throat> somehow my editor hasn't seen that yet. Well, <laughs> He's working on it. He's working on it. Give him some time. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, you know, and if the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks getting somebody would scare me if if I were the Celtics. You know, I still think that that they're a little bit of a sleeping giant, uh, and the Sixers have been really, really good too. I think they're active. I, it's hard to see where the Sixers would go uh, in terms of making a move. You know, they don't have picks, they don't have uh, a lot of cap flexibility, things like that. Uh, but you know, those two teams are probably the ones that I'd be worried about. Yeah, Milwaukee. Look, if you're Milwaukee, you're saying okay. What's my road to the finals? And it looks like you're going to have to most likely deal with Boston. And well, what does what problems does Boston present that you have to you know um, counter? And it's clearly Boston's scoring depth. So getting someone like Crowder that can give you some defense, uh, give you some of that toughness, you know, I I see that as as an issue. They've got. They've got shooters, and especially if, if Chris Middleton is there, they've got the shooting they need. Um, and I think uh, Brooke Lopez is, is somehow gets underrated, but that's, you know, there's a guy that, that gives you toughness inside and can score. But they need some, some defense that can get out to the perimeter or just you look at how the Warriors were able to deal with the Celtics as that series went on. Well, they just went out and pressed up and got physical with Brown and Tatum. Yeah. You know, something a Crowder can do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's it's going to be an interesting trade deadline. Are, are you are you foreseeing uh, a lot of action, a little action? I know everybody's saying it's not going to be too busy, but usually when they say that, then uh, 
uh, we wind up with 18 different uh, crazy trades. Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the keys, and uh, I don't know, I think an editor will find this when he looks into this story, <laughs> uh, is going to be Toronto. Um, yeah. Does Toronto move now or does it wait for the summer? Does Toronto think it can be good again by adding to what it has or does it realize, hey, we need to break this apart and do a, a deeper rebuild. Um, and if if it's if the Raptors decide the latter, then there will be some very interesting players uh, available in the market. The, the Raptors have a bunch of guys that uh, that other teams will look at and say, "Hey, that's a guy that can put us over the top. That's a guy that maybe not." be their ultimately their major star, but he's a guy that when you add him to the mix can put you over the top. I think the Celtics similarly, like with a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, they look at him and said, and even Gallinari to a degree, but particularly Malcolm Brogdon, they saw him in the offseason as, Hey, that's a guy that, uh, you know, if they'd have had him in the finals last year could have been a huge difference, right? Not exactly, you know, you're not bringing in a, uh, a guy that's a threat to, to, to be in the all-star game, but someone who in your context is that important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Toronto, you're right. I mean, man, they could really have a huge impact. And, and for me, it's like zero to five, they could do zero and that's just nothing. They could do one, which is probably Gary Trent, you know, is going to be a free agent uh, and they could move him. They could do two, which is Trent and, and Fred Van Vliet. Uh, you know, he's going to be a free agent. They're not sure they really want to commit to him. Uh, <clears throat> on the money he's going to go go after. They could go up to three, and you know, now you're now you're talking about uh, uh, you know OG and Yanobi, uh, and then you could go all the way up to and Yanobi, uh, Gary Trent, uh, uh, Fred Van Vliet, and 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 Pascal Siakam as well. And I mean, you could have uh, guys going to different places around the league who could really affect how things go down the stretch and into the playoffs. Yeah, I think um, no matter what they decide to do, which direction they decide to go, I think Ananobi's going to be available Yeah. anyway right now. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, th I think that's almost a given with where they're at. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it's but they've they've got to look at it and say, you know, and even if they decide, hey, we're going to blow it up or not blow it up entirely because they, they've got still got some major pieces they're going to keep. Um, is it better to do it now or to do it in the summertime? Mm -hmm. You know, what are your opportunities now versus what they will be then in terms of um, the rule, you know, the cap rules and trade rules and how you can get things done? It, it might be easier for them to say, okay, let's, you know, it's going nowhere. We're not going to fix it in time to make a run this year. Let's wait till the summer when the deals can be better, you know, June and July where the deals can be, uh, more advantageous. Yeah, a lot, a lot of times the conversations that, that teams are having now uh, will be sort of a roadmap for what happens, you know, around the draft, for instance, um, that, you know, the, if they can't quite get to where they're going to pull a trigger, then they've at least laid the groundwork and then it comes up again uh, in a few months. You see that a lot with the trade deadline. Sure. All right, we're going to uh, close up the show here, Steve, by talking about uh, – uh, breakfast cereal, of course. Uh, you know, as one does. 
<laughs> uh, every podcast, I think, does that. Uh, Marcus Smart this week uh, unveiled his uh, Wicked Smart uh, cereal, uh, you know, and uh, which he proudly said with the Boston accent. Uh, it's got toasted oats. It's got marshmallows, which sounds uh, right up my daughter's alley. Uh, I think that uh, I'm going to have to get a box of it for her. She does like it. He's the one guy that she'll watch, and she's like, I want the I'm rooting for the guy with the green hair. So she, the crazy hair, as she says. So, uh, so she'll appreciate that. But uh, you know, it is you know just just watching all that and, and watching Marcus Smart at that that the event where he, he left. And it's pretty amazing that this guy, you know, has really ingrained himself uh, with the community, with Boston, uh, as much as he as much as he has. Especially when you consider, you know, half the fan base wants him traded all the time. Uh, but you know, man, he is really, uh, you know, as much as as much as anybody on that team, he's made himself uh, a pretty significant part of the community. Well, he likes doing that stuff. He's done it in other places, you know. Um... That's him. I mean, he's very good with kids because he is one. Yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, he's into that stuff. He's, he's got a foundation that he started early on. Um, when he, when he has like these basketball camps, you see him with kids and it's like, that's kind of his element. I think he's happier there than, you know, um, than, than being out, out. Um, yeah, it, it fits. Uh, the cereal thing, uh, you know, as, as they as the kids say, I ain't down with that. <laughs> he, was, he was passing out boxes to guys on the team the other night, and they were leaving with boxes of this cereal. <laughs> and I said, I told a couple of players, I said, I go, I am leaving here and going to, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, uh, sports betting just became legal in Massachusetts right. this week. So I said, look, I am leaving here now, going to the Encore Casino, and I am going to lay it in heavily on the Suns Friday night. They're like, what? I go, because you you guys are all going to have, you know, uh, food poisoning if you eat this junk. I mean, I just, you know, <laughs> You'll be full of marshmallows, yeah. Oh, man. It's, you know, um, you know, there goes the fast break game, unless you're fast breaking to the, to the loo, as it were. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I – if you're talking, yeah, yeah. if you're talking cereal with marshmallows in it, uh, you know, count me lucky, me lucky charms, like like a like a Larry King thing. If it's <laughs> cereal with marshmallows, I'm not in. <laughs> is there is there a breakfast cereal of choice in the uh, in the bullpen house? Well, if I'm not a big cereal guy overall, you you ask me if I had like one cereal I'd ever eat, I'd have to eat. Um, it would probably be either. Um, Raisin Bran or Total, but right. I'm not like, you know, the reason I say that is because I'm not sure this brand will always be available, but here we go. Um, oh, wow. That's, so granola, that's here's how I'm not, a, you know, <laughs> like granola, does that have actual sticks? Here's, in here's it? how I eat it. Actually has sticks here, rocks in it. Looking like at my computer here and <laughs> reading the papers and, uh, you know. That's a typical morning. There huh? we go. Oh boy! Welcome to breakfast. Remind right? me mean, next time you invite me for breakfast. We're gonna we're going out. I'm I'm telling you that. <laughs> oh. oh man! Well, I appreciate it. I think I found more intelligent. If you're listening to the audio, then you're missing out on Steve eating uh, uh, a box of uh, what appears to be. Uh, uh, 
pebbles rolled in, uh, <laughs> rolled in oats. <laughs> Cascadian Farm Organic Fruit and Nut Granola. Oh, my gosh. It looks yeah. like there's actual sticks in there. <laughs> That's a little too no, much fiber uh, for me. Too much there's fiber. A, there's a pair of Hirachi sandals at the bottom, I think. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, man. No, All I mean, right. We're going to get out of there on that note. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for checking us out. Thank you, Steve. Check out uh, heavy.com for uh, all your Celtics coverage. Uh, check out the Facebook page, Heavy on Celtics on Facebook. Uh, and be sure to follow uh, uh, the, uh, the, the podcast here uh, so you can check us out every week. Appreciate it.